0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to episode five of the American Rugby Show. I'm one of your hosts, Alex Corbissaro, joined by Todd Clever and Rob Hoadley. And guys, welcome back.
1: After to be back, I mean, this show is going to be great. You know, go through all the MLR breakdown. Uh, we have Eagle Watch, uh, a lot of exciting stuff.
2: Yeah, great weekend of uh, MLR action. Excited to get to that. And then I was just wondering, uh, Todd, I see that, um, that immaculate shirt in the background framed up, pride of place. But I was just wondering. Is there a framed Hawaiian shirt somewhere in the house? Yeah. It's, a, it's a new background,
1: new Hawaiian shirt. You know, it's, uh, you got to switch it up. You know, that is my theme for this, uh, this podcast, is not to repeat my Hawaiian shirts. And uh, my wife and I, we just moved into our new home. So my office is slowly and surely getting together. you got more
0: uh, going on than me and Rob. I've just got a blank wall, you know, very much uh, that sort of prison
1: headshot photo. Of course, that's exactly what I was looking- You look like you're in a six by six jail cell.
0: I feel like it in here, lads. I feel like it in here. I'm trying to be in this room to keep it really quiet. I've got clothes hanging up on the on the walls, rugs on the carpet to try and not to minimize the sound. I've got no windows open. I'm in a sauna. And then we've got Rob, who's in the office.
2: In the office. Yeah, I know. I'll have to pick out a Hawaiian shirt to keep up. Because trust me, I haven't got an international shirt with 80 caps or whatever it is to put on the ball. But maybe the only way I can keep up with a Hawaiian shirt. I don't know
0: so today we have an absolute treat instead of the state of the union we're going to kick off with eagle watch in honor of it being a hundred days until the tokyo olympics for eagle watch this week we have one of our hosts usa women's co-captain abby Gustidis, interviewing her teammate usa women's star nicole heatherland recapping their most recent tournament in dubai talking about their road into tokyo the olympics what it means to them let's get into eagle watch
3: Welcome to the American Rugby Show. I'm Abby Gisaitis. This is Eagle Watch, and I'm super stoked. It's 100 days to go until the Olympic Games, and I'm so lucky to have my teammate, Nicole Haverland, here with us. Did I get that right? Is it Haverland?
4: Yes, you did, Haverland. Hi, Abby. <laughs> I think, thanks for having me.
3: I mean, Brownie still calls you Heverland, and then pretty much all of the world when I rewatch our games on... <laughs> Uh, the world series it
4: doesn't really bother me it's it's very common so
3: but you got it right all right fair enough haverland so today is wednesday just actually 100 days to go until the olympics what is your feelings when that comes like i'm literally goosebumped up right now
4: same i got goosebumps um it's just i mean it's actually coming and it's here and the buildup is just so exciting and it's going to be so special I already know
3: it. So we were on the Today Show in the background on Zoom because of COVID. They couldn't have the athletes in. So we were all in the background like, hey, wait. A <laughs> they gave us a little fake medals, which really just riled me up and motivated me more to go get a real one. <laughs> yeah,
4: 100%. I, uh, we actually texted during the show, me and Abby, and we were like, all right this medal's cool, but I want a real one. And we're just both like, yeah, and we can do it. We both believe. And, and I know our teammates believe, so it's just, it's just so exciting.
3: Hell yeah. I'm absolutely jazzed and it's six in the morning. (laughs) We've been up (laughs) since four, just, (laughs) just hanging out down in coffee, but no, it's been good, but we just got back from Dubai. I mean, two tournaments, super awesome experience to get to play France and Canada and Brazil and Kenya, who are all going to be in Tokyo. Well, hopefully France, I think hasn't qualified yet. Right. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think great Britain qualified and then France will be in the Repichage in uh, okay. June. So, it's so crazy. Like I feel so lucky that we solidified our spot finishing top four back in 2019 like what what two years ago at this point it's crazy
4: it feels so long ago
3: are we the same team I don't like, <laughs> I know we have all the same players but like obviously you evolve in time and you know, hopefully for the better but it just seems different even watching those games back I'm like We were very like passive team, and now we're like trying to go shut it down and like really be aggressive on the front foot on attack.
4: Nd Um, it just feels like we're distant. We've distanced ourselves from that. I'm curious to know like other teams are gonna be different too. Like teams that we haven't played in over a year. You know, Australia,
3: New Zealand, exactly, and they're always among our top competitors it's bizarre to think that we're we're just going to go in blind and yeah I mean we have to back back ourselves right like Mm -hmm. believe in ourselves control what we can and we're training to the best of our ability so we have to assume that they're doing the exact same but but I think we're up for the fight
4: oh yeah I mean honestly (laughs) I feel our first tournament you know it usually kicks off in Glendale and that tournament I always feel like oh my gosh like how are we gonna look we don't know on the world stage stage and like we end up just performing our best so like I think this we have the upper hand you know
3: that's so true I never even thought about it from that perspective like we're always so nervous like going to Glendale and uh, yeah, we haven't played in months we had summer vacation and Mm -hmm. then we all got back together for six eight weeks maybe but yeah not long no, yeah, we come together, and yeah. we've done really well every year there. Let's keep it happening. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about Dubai a little bit. Super exciting that we got to get back out there. We were lucky enough to go to Madrid. When was that? February, early yeah, March. Yeah, February. And then short, short turnaround. Like we trained for a week, <laughs> and then we left for Dubai. And I'm sure you're still jet lagged. I know I am probably while we're buzzing at 6 (laughs) a.m but it was wild so we actually won 10 games and we lost two both to Canada the first weekend into the second weekend just talk me a little bit about the two tournament style so like what how's it work when you have back-to-back tournaments like let's just give the listeners a little insight what do you do during the break in the middle
4: uh thankfully we got two weeks in Dubai and Um, after that first weekend of playing, we got, um, just a, what, we got one day off. Um, and then that next day we, we were into the gym, but that day off, we just, you know, spent time to ourselves, mostly in our room because of COVID restrictions. Um, but they allowed us to have, what what was it like an hour or 45 minutes at the pool? And that (laughs) just like brightened all of our days, just to be in that sun and get the tans that we want um and then you know it's just focused on the nutrition and eating properly to like you know refuel the body and and get it get it kind of going for the next few days because we know that we had to perform um what 4 days out from when we played that first weekend which is crazy usually i feel like it's like 5 or 6 maybe but it was a quick turnaround that day in the gym that we we just did like an upper body lift and um, a conditioning session. And yeah, and then after, what, Wednesday, day three of the off week, we, we had our first real practice.
3: Yeah, and we just had two trainings at the field, I think. And the second one was just a captain's run. Like, so basically, I think we were out there for like 30 minutes or something. Yeah.
4: We like, Wait, what? <laughs> we're done? Is it over? <laughs> It's, it's almost, it's good because in in rugby sevens, you don't get many opportunities to like do anything. So in these practices leading up, we didn't get many opportunities and you have to make the most out of everyone. So I think it works hand in hand. It's actually a
3: really great point. I don't think I've ever thought about it in that perspective, but we get to the captain's run and we have maybe like five set pieces or something. And that's including line outs, scrums, mm-hmm. kickoffs, penalties. And, but you're right in the game, you might only have one tap penalty. You have one opportunity to absolutely nail it. And yeah. there's seven moving pieces. There's whatever the defense is doing. It's making the right read, the skill execution to make it happen. And it, it comes, there's a lot of pressure on it for being a 14 minute game and mm-hmm. So so maybe there's a purpose behind our captain's run. I,
4: know. I, I guess so. <laughs> Even though Abby and I are just like, we want more, we want more. Exactly. Like we're not tired. Let's go.
3: No. I was thinking the exact same thing. I was just like, we need, I know me and you are always looking at each other, like, no, no, we need one more. Like, no, no yeah. more. And Braddy's just like, no, you guys like, I wanna
4: feel exhausted.
3: <laughs> Matt's like, just get off the field, go to the yeah. ice bath or something. Yeah. And then I actually listened for once. I left the field to go ice bath. And then I was in there for eight minutes and there was still no sign of anyone. And I was like, dang it, I'm missing reps out there. They're practicing without me. And then yeah. it turns out you guys were just like hanging out on the side of the field, just chatting. And so it was super hot there, right? Like hundred, 105. We're always playing in the heat, which I would prefer to the cold, very different than Madrid, where it was like 50 and a San Diegans, you know, we, we basically were wearing parkas, just miserable during the warm-ups like we're all wearing yeah. all of our layers like even the Russian girls were wearing gloves so.
4: oh my gosh yeah <laughs> I just remember my toes being so cold during like that primer and stuff exactly
3: yeah so the primer we go out usually what 6 6 30 in the morning yeah. and we basically just get moving if it's day two we do a little more stretching but activation the banded work, and just get our hands warmed up, a little bit of skills. And that's always a tough one to get up for, day one or two. But mm-hmm. in Dubai, it was already like 80 degrees outside. So it
4: wasn't a big yeah, deal. Yeah, we're, we're sweating.
3: So weekend two, we, there was not the second France team. So we we did the round robin. You played we played France we played three, first. Brazil, Canada. Day one, that was our day yes. one, which mm-hmm. very well could be what our Olympic schedule looks like you know we have no idea uh, we know it's a three-day tournament and we play two games a day but Dubai day one that was tough like,
4: that was a that was a tough one I mean especially second weekend with and then day or day one first game France and France is so physical
2: they're so never going to be
4: an never going to be an easy team and we're always up for it and I mean, we we have France's number we know after Dubai, and it's kind of cool and gives ourselves a little confidence. But yeah, it was, it was a big day one, um, and with the heat too.
3: So normally when we play on the World Series, you know, you ease into the day, right? Like luckily we've earned our spot and we're a higher seed going into most tournaments, so we play a lower seed, but... This was, that was not the case in Dubai. And yeah, France, us, that, I mean, that could be a final in a tournament, you know? It's, yeah, 100%. It, they're a, such a well rounded team. They're so good in the breakdown and they make you work for it. And we played a lot of defense in but both times we played France. Like, mm-hmm. I felt yeah. like. And then even when we had the ball, we, we weren't breaking them on first phase. And then we get all antsy thinking, oh, we got to score. We got to score. But yeah. as long as we can hold on to the ball.
4: I think at halftime we were down. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so, too. It came down to some conversions and some last, like, what, last try, I think.
3: Yeah, we you sc- it was you. You scored.
4: Yeah. Well, you gave me the offload. Yeah. <laughs> Abby, but perhaps, no, no, it was. Yeah. You intercepted it. Right. Yeah. That Big was defensive. Like a move minute to go. Yeah. Stress. And then she has the ball and then just perfect offload to me. And I just touch it down in the try zone.
3: Yeah. yeah, I was so nervous to give you that ball too because we'd just been flinging the ball around all week. Yeah. And I was like, ball security, we got a score. But uh, we were about, what, five meters out? I was like, yeah, this guy. I was like, she got, we got this, we got this. Yeah. But no kudos to you. I mean, the dedication you showed to um, practicing your conversions is unmatched. And it, it came through on the weekend and we beat them 14 12, which was a huge win. So, let's keep those going going into Tokyo
4: no I mean I can't say like a year ago I would have been this confident in my conversion so like I mean it's pretty cool to be like all right um how did I get better with this this postponement and it was I mean there's a lot to say and it's like it was meant to be like now I'm going into this year and this this big olympics like way more confident
3: that's amazing is that something you worked on during like quarantine and lockdown
4: yeah I think you can like, do it by
3: yourself too
4: yeah you know I just look through my phone I have so many videos of like <laughs> just going out and practicing during quarantine going out and practicing when I'm alone and the weather's just crap and just still out there and it's just yeah it's just like there was nothing else to do so why not
3: <laughs> yeah that's so cool well it's definitely paid off and and I can see the concentration when you do it and that those end kickoffs, I mean, especially this week, the second weekend of Dubai. I, I don't know if you got the stats, but I, I haven't seen any yet, but I think your kickoffs were probably top-notch compared to, you know, the last couple years, I would say. Yeah. I mean, throwing it back to 2018 World Cup, and they were money then, but I think you've you've gotten even better, and it's it's such a huge part of our game. Like how mm-hmm. how important are our kickoffs? I honestly think oh. they're just
4: massive. They're so important, and because uh, we want that ball back, we don't. We, we don't, it's so special to have because that's what sevens is the possession the possession. Um, because there's like a cool stat out there saying like if you if a team has the ball for x amount of seconds they're gonna score. So we need that ball. Um, but yeah, I know I feel I felt super connected to you out there, Abby. Like you're the, the restart queen. So <laughs> if I have my kicks on point, I know we're gonna get it back because you're like you're just right there. Yeah, know, I, the I love
3: it. It's so cool. I love that connection we have on the field and it, it just feels so good to get that ball back for our team. Like, and then yeah. you know, we have people like Naya or Kirsch or Low, so many threats that can just dot it down on the other side of the field. And there's nothing better than us getting that ball back and just moving it through the hands and scoring. And yeah. it feels so good. I think that's how we started one of our games. But I think you scored it.
4: What Did you set us offload or?
3: Maybe. No. It was like the first play of the game, of one of the games. Sometimes
4: yeah. It's you <laughs> Fair enough, but. I think after, actually after day one of the second weekend, we both talked to each other and we're like, I don't even remember like who we played, like, yeah, just like all, cause you have to flush it. You got to flush it and move on. Nothing can stay too long in your head because you got, you know, you have a, a, another game to play.
3: It's so true. I think that's one of the biggest challenges with sevens that's different than You know rugby 15s or league or touch or any other code of rugby or any sport is we have to play three games in a day and let alone when it's knockout rugby on day two so we normally have quarterfinals semifinals final and you just obviously you have to win those games to go on but in your pool games if you lose a game you're not out of contention for the cup still which in some sports seems crazy but you have to take the lessons and let go of any negativity because it's just going to hold you back and I think that's one of the hardest things I mean we're both really critical like harsh critics of ourselves you know Mm -hmm. and trying to let go of mistakes you've made before going into a second game or a quarterfinal is difficult. Is there anything that you practice to
4: help you with that? I always watch the game as quickly, like as soon as possible, just to, you know, see what, what happened. Always remind myself of the good, you know, cause there's always some good in there and then, you know, check up on what you, what mistakes you made. And then it's just on to the next. It's, it's enjoying, it's putting the iPad away and enjoying the, your teammates for me. Um, because when I'm interacting with y'all and, and laughing, it just it's it's way more enjoyable. So I make that a priority. Also, looking at the next game and who we're gonna play. So putting your focus on uh, the next task um, and watching some games of theirs and and talking amongst our teammates, like, okay, what do you know about them? Because we all played them so so many times. We just like sometimes we don't even have to scout. It's like we know them.
3: It's true. I, I love those conversations too, just because. It shows the trust we have in one another and the belief in our group and like i won't even like i'll watch a game through but i won't stress about like what they do off of a scrum or a line out because i'm like oh, okay i know nicole knows if they're nine pressures or if they have a sneaky play off of a mm-hmm. line out they're inserting someone and so i'll watch a game through but I, like we all take ownership of different parts and it's so cool because then yeah you can just do your own little area of expertise and then you can share your bit with the team and like we collaborated a lot on restarts in dubai yeah. and i think that was a, a little bit of a change and i really liked it and i thought it was effective and especially going from madrid to dubai i think our retainment is that a word <laughs> <Can> <laughs> i
4: think so <laughs>
3: Um, our kick retention uh, went up a lot. So like we would present, we'd discuss it, look at the film and then, you know, present it to the team. Like, Hey, we have these aerialists, this is where they go. Or, and then, you know, someone would do the same for attack, general attack, general defense. And it just shows like how much trust there is in our group. I think that's really valuable. I feel like you also connect with, everyone a lot after games especially if there was some like miscommunication or something is that like do you make a point of that is that like help you like go on to the next topic or prep for the game it's just a way for you to like move on
4: yeah I mean I my personality is just I I I like take the vibes of each other and like you know that's I like if someone's down I want to go you know check up on them because like oh like let's say Lauren Doyle who I have a lot of a lot of interactions and connections on the field because she's my fly half like I'm going to go to her and she, if I see that she's you know something's in her head and she needs to talk it out because that connection is so important to be on point on the field so and it starts it starts with the conversations you're having in the locker room and um yeah so I make it a point to connect and you know, it's just a laugh, you know, like we have so much fun in the locker rooms. I'm, just, I'm, I'm there taking pictures of Abby and Dorian because I'm like, these memories are so special. And they're like, what are you doing?
3: Yeah, that cracked me up. I had my stolen blanket from the Fiji airline. Yeah. Uh, yes. Fiji, good times. But, good times. Yeah. So we lost to Canada by one try on day one. Mm -hmm. which was disappointing but we did graft in that game we fought for each other I think there was a lot of grit shown and as disappointing as the loss was it was a battle the whole way and you know unfortunately one of our teammates got hurt in that game low she's she's healthy now she's doing well recovering Mm -hmm. um so that was a bit of a shock for us and we had lost Naya earlier in the day.
4: think of the France game, first game. Yeah,
3: first game. Also on the road to recovery. And so two of our big strike weapons, unfortunately, were out. Ended up losing that game. So day two was really important for us.
4: Day two of that second weekend is the biggest push that we have to make. Um, your bodies are still a little tired from the week one. And then going into day two of second weekend is tough. but. Having Japan was nice to you know. Just get our feet underneath us again, and find some confidence. Um, I don't really remember much specific around Japan game, but I remember going into the Kenya game. Um, in order to make that final match, um, we needed what fifty one points to beat them. 51, yeah. Fifty one, yeah. And and I know we could do it because we did it in. Madrid against Poland, we've scored like 60 points on Poland, so it was possible, but I mean, it was tough to, we just didn't come together, and unfortunately, we didn't have enough ball, I don't think, you know. We all thought, we were all
3: confident in ourselves, and we would played Kenya a few times already, we played them in Madrid and in weekend one, and we did well against them. I think Nia Tolliver was out as well, and she was absolutely epic in that first weekend, scoring five Mm -hmm. tries against them, Um, but it just felt like it was just a little flat from the get, I think, and it's all about energy and momentum in any sport, in any game, but I felt like Kenya came, and they were ready to go, and we maybe underestimated them a little bit and I remember thinking that in Madrid like when they tackled Mia and tackled Lowe on first go I was like damn like mm-hmm. those are hard players to tackle like I don't I'm glad they're on my team because I don't want to tackle them
4: right yeah uh, Same.
3: and so I think that came into play a little bit and we knew we had to win by 50 points but it didn't seem out of reach yet maybe We let that get to us a little bit. And when things didn't go our way immediately, it was like, oh, okay. Then we just, the error count started to add up. And when you turn the ball over so many times, you're you're obviously not (laughs) scoring as many tries. And we ended up playing a bit of defense as well in that game. Kickoffs, maybe we didn't retain as many balls, but it was a tough loss or we didn't lose. That's the thing, but it was right? tough oh my not, not, not to make that final, but that's what it felt like all weekend. Like yeah. we were playing. And I mean, I said it earlier, like we went 10 and two in two weeks, but it, it didn't feel victorious, like mm-hmm. coming in second place the first weekend and end up coming third. I mean, I think it speaks to our expectations as a team and it's as long as it's not leading to that entitlement, like, like we deserve to be in that final. It's like, no, no, we need to earn it and we have to go and take it. And we talk about that a lot, right? Like we don't have anything to lose. We only have something that can, we can go and take it. And I think that's a, it's just like a big thing going forward for us, especially going into the Olympics. It's. No one, no one has earned that medal, that gold medal that's going to be up for grabs in Tokyo. But we have to perform every single game to our standards. And we talk a lot about gold medal standards, like after a training or a game, like, did we hit that? Did we hit our target? And I think we talked ex- skill execution just wasn't there in Dubai.
4: We have like a list of non-negotiables that have to be checked off in order for us to be at our best. and. I think we'll definitely be revisiting those in our in a couple months back at home where, where we're gonna be training a lot. So
3: absolutely. Any like key learnings for you coming out of Dubai that you're you know gonna take into this training block going forward?
4: There's a few um, around the decision making, but I, I feel like there's always a learn a lesson to learn in every tournament. And this one is probably gonna be. I mean, it's, I'm curious to hear what Brownie has to say, our head coach. But around the like what you said, like just taking each moment and and not not feeling like we have earned it already. You know, it's it's like what, how, how, what's the mindset going into that kind of game? Were we, were, were, were was, what was everyone thinking? Like, oh, we got this, or was it like how we can strategically play and have that ball um, most of the time? So. I'm curious, I mean, I'm still working with the reflection of the, the tournament. It's only been a couple of days since we've been home. Right. So like, I like to take a few days off and just like not think of rugby, but um, we're going into an isolation period uh, before our next COVID test. And I, I plan to really just dive deep and, and figure out what what is that big learning moment, you know?
3: Definitely. I think you you were captain of the squad for two years or more
4: yeah about two and some change I two and some believe. change
3: and and then I, I've been lucky enough to like take over in that role and it's stressful but it's humbling and just incredible honor and I know you felt the exact same way and it's such a special group of women that are just unreal like leaders athletes just activists in every way but for me like one thing that has stuck out for for me as a captain is one I feel like mistake that I made was back in Glendale we were about to play France game three day one and we won our first two games and we're huddling up and I said I was like hey let's go get that W and yeah. I was thinking about the outcome of the game versus taking it moment by moment. And mm-hmm. it's almost been two years since yes. I said those words. And they are just ingrained in my brain. Like, do not ever say that again, Abby. Yeah. Like, because I let my mind go to the outcome instead of what I can control to get to the outcome. And that will just forever be scarred in my brain. And yeah. like, I just need to take it moment by moment. Like, so now, what do I say? Hey, it's a kickoff. Are we getting the ball back? Right. Yeah. I can't look past the first kickoff at this point. But I think that's something for me that I learned two years ago. But that I think about every single tournament. Mm -hmm. I think about it every training, and
4: I think that's so powerful.
3: Collectively as a team, that's something that we get we get a little ahead of ourselves like I felt like that in the Kenya game like it was just like well yeah we're gonna win but ha- by how many points mm-hmm. it's
4: like, yeah it's like
3: damn those I almost, girls put up a fight
4: yeah I almost feel like it's got to be a constant reminder like you learned that what yeah two years ago but like just to keep reminding ourselves you know it's just like we can't think of the action like we can't think of the outcome we got to think of what's those actions to and I have to do it every single time before I kick it's like yep. Of course, I want this kick to go ten, but like, what are the actions to get that kick ten? Like, okay, I'm gonna stand up straight, you know, and and I'm gonna make sure this bounce is where I want it to be and lead the bounce down, and I'm gonna make connection up below the ball, and I'm gonna keep my head down. Those are the actions, you know. Yeah, I like love that. Every single time, I gotta do it though. And I've done it so many times.
3: Right. Cause you can't will the kick to can't will the ball to go where you want it to. It's like I wish. (laughs) Yeah, same. I wish I could just freaking Nicole right into my hands. I'll be there. But
4: that's the thing.
3: Yeah, it's it's an incredible skill to even like you're all you're aware of what you need to do, but then to actually go through mentally your checklist of the actionable items and make it happen. I think that is something that as a team we need to do we we have to make it happen mm-hmm. and like one one other thing that stood out in dubai was naya talking about making it happen she's like you know we talk about communicating we talk about putting the ball in front she's like i'm tired of damn talking <laughs> like make it happen girls and i was like i mean she's right you know? yeah. like we, but i think it, it's a mental thing a lot of the time like we put this expectation of ourselves and of our team and whereas we could just play in the moment, focus on one step at a time and get the job done.
4: Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, we, as a team, we work with our sports psych um, a lot. And one thing that our head coach has challenged us to do with this time off is have a meeting with him and revisit Dubai and so, actually, my plan is to talk to him tomorrow and, you know, just like probably it's going to be those things like that we just talked about. We know it. It's just like he's there to remind us and be that ease. And he's such an amazing guy. Like, I, yeah. He's
3: amazing. And I always get nervous before I talk to him because, you know, he's a sports psychologist, but really, you just feel kind of grounded and at ease after talking to him or doing a little bit of mindfulness, which I had only started doing the last year or so. And, you know, I'm like, how, like, how many lessons have I missed out on? Because I wasn't just even aware of what I was doing or what uh, tricks my mind was playing on me. Mm-hmm. So he's an incredible asset and I, he's a huge help to a lot of Team USA athletes, which yeah. definitely encourage everyone to look into the mental skills aspect
4: it's wild to me and I I know you can probably relate to this like we're at a point in our career athletic career where it's like we know we can do it like physically it's all what's up in your mind now it's like same with the mindset going into that Kenya game it's like it's all what's going up in here because we know we can do it as a team Mm -hmm. so
3: it's finding that fight and just that belief in one another and willingness to you know do that extra sprint or make that tackle get off the ground and it's a mental battle especially man you get to the 12th 13th 14th minute and you are blowing and (laughs)
4: except abby's never blowing she's the greatest out there she's just like i know i can trust her and she's got that clear head so
3: we're just chugging along but uh I love it I love being out there with you mate I was so gutted to miss the first weekend and I know like I felt a little disappointed in our performance at times in the second weekend but I just back us so much and I know we can beat every team out there and I think for me you know just coming back to those controllables that we've talked about and taking it one step at a time but uh, I'm so excited to, you know, build into this last train, last training block, mate. That's it. I know. And, you know, pl- you know the-, the squad's going to Tokyo this summer and it's it's an incredible time and we just have to savor every step of the way. Like, it's never going to be, we're never going to be here again in this moment with this team, with these people. And um, it- yeah, just trying to focus on the journey right now.
4: Yeah, same. And- just enjoy each other.
3: Well, this has been incredible. It's been so awesome to have you, Nick. I can't wait to get back and, you know, grind with you on the field and, you know, we'll, we'll work it out. And thanks again for coming on. It's been incredible giving people insight into, you know, our lives, our tournaments and our buildup to Tokyo hundred days and counting. So thank you Woo-hoo! so much.
4: Yeah. Thank you, Abby, for having me. It's been a pleasure. And, um, Yeah, I'll probably see you soon. Probably (laughs) see tomorrow or something, but. Yeah.
3: (laughs) That's Nicole Haverland, I'm Abby Gostaitis, and this has been Eagle Watch on the American Rugby Show.
0: It's time for the MLR Breakdown.
1: MLR Breakdown, round five. I mean, we had some close games across the board, except for that Toronto Seawolves game. Um, Some exciting stuff. You know who I have? I have Rob Hoadley and I have Alex Corbusero. And uh, Rob, take it away. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, wow. What a weekend, Todd. Unbelievable rugby across the board. Games being played in different conditions. Uh, a few surprises in there. One uh, runaway game, as you said, from Toronto. But uh, no lack of entertainment even in that game.
1: Corbs, what, uh, what were your opening thoughts on uh, round five? I thought it was
0: an exciting weekend of rugby. I think, you know, tons of tries. Like you said, that seattle Toronto game it was a little bit of a blowout. But across the board, competitive. High action. Uh, I think defense coaches probably pulling their hairs out this weekend it, yeah. after after the review. But but as as a neutral and enjoying it, I, I thought it was a, a good weekend and an evolution of the product. Um, there's some things you know to to get into about maybe the broadcast and some of the venues. But but on a whole, I think the on field rugby was 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 going well.
1: Yeah, I want to kind of talk about that scoreline with everything getting close. I mean, we opened up week in one with some tight contested games. Uh, throughout, and then we go a week and two, week and three. We saw some complete blowouts, one-sided games. What do you guys contribute that to? Is that coaching? You know, is that you know, sort of senior opposition? Is it players?
2: Yeah, it's a good point, Todd. Um, it's been talked about a lot, right? There's been a, a very short preseason, only a couple of weeks together. So you always start with bringing your group together. You start with the culture uh, and tying people to the values and, and letting people understand that uh, their individual values can be equated to the team values and you're on a mission together. That takes a little bit of time. Uh, And then on the field, you've got to find your identity. You've got to find your game model, what suits your style and how you're going to implement it. Uh, And we've seen tweaks there, even one quick one. Rooney, I think, will want the NOLA game back because they just tried to run it from everywhere. Uh, and it didn't work in that game. They needed to tweak it. They needed to go to more of a kicking game, which they've gone to now, and it's suiting them much better. They still got the ability to play to space and run it from everywhere, but they're adding the kicking game, which makes the defence think a little bit. Um, and, and one other thing on that, Todd, is from my experience in the MLR, what you'll see is you'll see many teams get better at the stop from game one to about game eight. Teams will improve and improve and improve, and it will get tight. And around then... A little bit of the small squads, remember, so a little bit of injuries, a little bit of fatigue, and you may see some blowout wins again. But I think this is actually a real nice time in the league where everyone's fit, healthy, uh, you know, the normal kind of injuries, but they're raring to go and they're improving every week.
0: No, I I agree. I think um, when you look at you know just just from week to week, you know, very week one, you know, a lot of forwards tries and dominance at the mall and stuff, and then gradually with a bit more time, teams are getting be- better at defending that sort of mall. But then teams in attack are, from week to week are adding more variation. You're seeing more pullouts, more peels, more shift drives. This this now like as more time and these times have more team to develop, they're just adding more layers, and it almost goes in you know in in order like the, the defense the, the defense was behind week 1 then the attacks behind and then the defense is behind and you're sort of just seeing teams have more complete games i think teams having to deal with you know back to back road travels teams having to deal with all sorts of different factors that sort of week on week are, 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 are affecting these sort of um, observations that we're talking about
1: yeah it's definitely great to see some of those back score some beautiful tries and we've definitely had a handful of those tries and it is good to see you know those games going back and forth back and forth uh, and that's all we can ask, hope for and, uh, and ask for from, uh, from a product point of view.
2: Yeah. And on that week one, there were 39 tries scored, 26 of them, two thirds of them by forwards. Uh, Alex and Todd, you were probably pretty f- pleased by that. I'd like to see a bit more out wide. Um, but as we said, we're seeing the, the cross kick game. We're seeing more um, uh, double lines of attack. We're seeing more movement in attack and finding the wide space as well. When you can combine them together, uh, you'll still see the importance of those forwards' tries and the forwards creating the wide space, but uh, then you're really starting to get a great product.
0: And you know, speaking of a product, um you know, Todd, you were at the Legion game. Uh, we just watched the the Rooney game today. You can't ignore talking about some of the venues and 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 you know what's going on and the product on TV. We've had a two week break from the Coliseum, and and you know we've gone sort of around the league with all the venues, but. It's clear that that is probably one of the biggest areas. As, as someone who wants the league to improve, who wants to watch it, the sort of product that we're viewing—yes, the rugby's improving—but the the aesthetics and how it looks has still got to come a long way. You, you, some of the grounds I, I don't think are up to scratch. Do you guys agree?
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, that's where I think uh, the league, in 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 a whole, needs to put a stamp on it. And you know, there's got to be a criteria of. You know, what kind of stands are we playing for? What kind of uh, fans? What kind of, you know, broadcasting capabilities? What kind of, you know, crew that we have on that, on, on, on site? Because ultimately what we're trying to do is grow new fans. And, you know, on some of those occasions, uh, you're not necessarily going to get that. Um, so we definitely need to, you know, step it up uh, as a whole um, to catch up to, you know, likes of uh, LA Guiltinis and, and, and Austin and Houston, things like that. Round five, Toronto versus Seattle. Toronto 52, Seattle 7. I mean, what is happening with the Seawolves? I mean, they're coming, they're holding trophies, and they just haven't brought it the last season and a half. Uh, You know, and then Toronto, a new team coming out, scoring tries, looking like, uh, you know, contenders like they did before the season last year. So,
2: uh, Hodes, what are your thoughts on that game? Well, tell me, lads. I've never been to Atlanta. But do they have Starbucks in Atlanta? Because it looks like Seattle couldn't couldn't find their coffee in the morning. I mean, I mean it, to be fair, Seattle were playing against Toronto and the MLR schedulers. How can you make a team play? It's a ten thirty Eastern time kickoff, which is seven thirty body clock for Seattle. I mean, that's a rough gig, however you look at it. And uh, you know, it's something of an excuse. Um, but yeah, you, you're right. It's it's part of a, a bigger story with seattle uh and the struggles they're having but uh, on the other side of it toronto i mean you can cut the mlr highlights reel just from toronto's try you don't need to look at any other games just watch the toronto tries and you've got a great highlight package for the week
0: no i i agree mate i i, I think toronto were good I, I i do think seattle were poor at the same time it, it, it's hard to ignore um you know the level of their performance it's absolute stinker having to play at 10 30 a.m on on the other coast getting up at 30 to, to watch it wasn't ideal. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what it like to play for it.
2: Cubs, um, it's Corbs. I'm sure all the Seattle players feel very sorry for I, you. I, I had to do. go, mate. I had to go surfing at 6:30, so I mean, it's tough, tough oh, out here in tough, I saw
1: I saw you in the lineup there, Rob. I saw you snaking my waves left and right. You know, I got you have, saw me getting patted. I got to have my priorities. I had to get my water time in before I went <laughs> to the San Diego game. And uh, when I saw the score, the game was already done. You know, it's, uh, it's it must have been tough for them for sure. No, absolutely. I think I think from,
0: from a point of view, I thought Toronto looked sharp. I thought they held on to the ball well, played in the right areas. And, um, you know, they finished some very nice tries. If you actually look, the bulk of their tries are really well-worked pieces of rugby. I, I do think Seattle have the biggest issues I saw in that game were just the inabilities in defense to get back, get set, and then get off the line again after a couple of phases, huge disconnects in defense for them. And and I thought Toronto just pulled the strings and, and and exposed those really well and made it look kind of easy at times. But when you look at some of the games that have played, they left opportunities out like that for other teams to take. And not everyone has actually executed. So that's why I think Toronto deserve a lot of credit. The holes were there, and they they, they took them apart really nicely. And and they. They that was the best they've looked. They look, you know, we talked about how they a couple of weeks ago they got the win and they looked good. Played LA, I thought they dogged LA out uh, and you know stayed in that game for longer than a lot of teams maybe would have. But then this was a was a big notice in, in uh, uptick in performance when you go out there and you just start, you know, you control the game from minute one to eighty and you convert most of your
1: chances.
2: Yeah, to be honest, lads, this is what we expect from Toronto and Chris Silfthorn's done such a good uh, job there over the years. They're the best team in the MLR over the last couple of years, At going through phases, they find their shape so quickly. They've got great continuity in playing staff and coaching staff. So they know their roles almost better than any other team. So they've always got options and they're very efficiently attacking breakdown. So it's difficult for the defence to reset. Toronto have the best four, five, six man shapes from the middle of the field in the league. Their release timing is fantastic and they're always hitting at the pace in the wide channels. And obviously, you know, what stands out in the first half is you have tries from Tuchelette, uh, Lesage and Broad, the nine, uh, following up on the inside. So they'll get a lot of credit. But if you go through, there's a lot of good back rows in the league. But I just want to talk about this back row at uh, Toronto. You've got um, Diana has the most ball carries in the MLR. Uh, De La Vega has the most tackles in the MLR. And Rumble has the most turnovers in the MLR. I mean, t- talk about balance. That's unbelievable, those stats to be right up there in all of them. And, and those guys, they're like also fifth in the other uh, categories that they're not first in. So that back row is having a massive impact on on creating that quick ball uh, and setting the defence for that team.
0: And, and I'll just add that back row are all good line-out options as well. So it makes them a nightmare to play against as well with, with the, you know four or five jumpers in their team as well. They, they, they're a good team and they, and they deserve credit in this league. And we talked last week about how, how hard it has been being on the road for them nonstop, they're finding a way to, to, you know, to roll their sleeves up and get on with it.
1: No, I think, uh, I think that was a turning point for them in the season. And I'm sure that they uh, got a lot of confidence coming out of it. That was great intel from both you guys. And uh, we'll see how they go for the next rounds. NOLA 30, New England Free Jacks 29. Uh, I started tuning in this game and it was wet didn't really expect much. Thought it was going to be a low-scoring game, but I was actually surprised on uh, on the outcome, the the points scored, and actually the quality of play. Uh, Hose, what do you have to say about that game?
2: Oh, I just tuned in. And I thought this looks brilliant. Oh, I, I love it. Just seeing the rain—you just don't get the chance to see the rain and the puddles and the players shivering but pretending it's okay. I mean, it's grim. It, it, it's no fun to play. And it reminded me of Premiership uh, playing in the Premiership, where you finish a game, you're thinking how did people pay to come and sit in the rain and watch that game? But it was awesome. It was a brilliant game. I mean, both teams, the the score was going backwards and forwards. There was some good quality. um, And uh, it's actually great to see uh, tactically what's going on there and and playing in different conditions, especially a team like Nola who want to throw it around. When you come to a game like this, it's going to be more short short pops, passes, that are going to create line breaks. So it's more about movement to create... um, dislocation between defenders. You've got to pull defenders apart and use the short balls. And um, that was seen in the kind of tries that were scored, particularly the one where Devin Short, I think the third NOLA try, Devin Short made the big line break off a little tips ball. Beautiful out to in line, straight through the middle, and then also a lovely left-hand spin pass from um, Dev on the next phase to take it out to the right to finish. Um, And obviously, your your line-out drives, your pick-and-goes become important. Uh, Poland had his sniping try. So um, it was great to see the the difference in tactics, but still some really entertaining rugby played.
0: absolutely. I thought that, um, you know, I looked at it and I called it Lake Nola on Twitter. No one really got on my bandwagon and and laughed with me. But, mate, the amount of surface water on that pitch, there's no way they would have played that in the premiership. There's no way. They would have called it. the, The groundsman would have objected, like this is the thing that pitch I don't think is ever going to be the same for for a couple of weeks after being played on in that conditions but fair bloody play to everyone playing that game because it didn't actually stop the rugby and I think you know to play in those conditions Rob you and I everyone here Todd knows how hard it is to play code when 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 the pitch is like that and they did turn up I thought it was back and forth game it could have gone either way I thought both teams you know, I thought that the, in my opinion, the Free Jacks ad- adapted to the wet weather as better tactically, but Nola just kept scoring tries. Like that's the thing yeah. about them. Like I'd be like, right, Free Jacks are boxing quite smart here. Looks like they're they're hanging in. They're gonna have them controlled, and then bang, Nola would just score a try out of nowhere. And I'd be like, you know, fair play. If they keep doing this, they're gonna win the game. And the, and they just about squeezed it. I thought Cam Dolan was fantastic. Thought some key carries, work rate was good, but the line out w- w- was big. Big for Nola, the, the the call on the I think the shift drive as well uh, to go for that, which I think they eventually scored. Like you know, key, key moments where I thought he stood up as a leader, and and it's good to see him sort of growing in that role in in, in the rain and, and and showing you know that side to his game. Because you know there was times where maybe before some people be more critical of Cam Dolan on a game like that. That yes, when it's dry and wet and open in the wide channels, he looks good. But I thought he did the hard yards and the nitty gritty really well for
1: Nola. Yeah, more power to those players, you know, especially Camry, you know, raising his hand, uh, you know, points to uh, what Rob was saying earlier. I'm I'm more of a, you know, fast pitch, sunny guy out there. So whenever I see those games on TV, uh, I don't miss the sport at all. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but credit to those players and, and, and everything that I went through. It was, it was a great game to watch.
2: Let me make it clear, Todd. I was very excited to see it watching from the comfort of my sofa (laughs) (laughs) in Southern California.
1: Never outside at seventy-five degrees. You already went surfing, and uh, you need yeah, 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 yeah,
2: exactly. Well done. Another point there. I mean, when you when you when you watch a game like that, you basically you know you're going to look through basically the halfbacks and the back three when you're thinking who's going to win this game. And I I went into it. I thought John Poland was going to be the main man tactically and with his box kicking game. Uh, and and he, he, he did have a very good game. He, he scored the try, so he's dangerous sniping. Uh, but the, the other way that they were constructing opportunities, this, this New England team has some nice variation. Ryan Martin's doing a good job. They scored the one try where they, they used the dummy drive. It's a five plus one. So the plus one comes in as though it's a drive. So then Pat O'Toole, the hooker for Nola, hit, hit the drive. And then when they went wide, he overchased because he panicked and they left the room inside for Dougie Fife. Brilliant way to exploit inside space on a rainy day. It's only one pass rugby, short pot balls, but you fo- you create space through the middle. And other examples: Harrison Boyle hitting short sides off drive, uh, off a drive, and then another one where he he dummied out wide to bring I think Dirksen, who wasn't used to the Nola defensive pattern, he came past the passing lane, and then uh, Boyle played in behind them. And Boyle's now uh, I think got like third most try assists in the league and one to watch now as an American qualified uh, 10 in the MLR.
0: I thought Boyle is sharp and, and you know, they talked about him in round one coming in and being US qualified, but he's just grown and grown from game to game. And back to that Dougie five try. I love that try with the pull out there. It, it, what I loved about it is, is as the hooker pulled out, he didn't actually come round and like bite anyone in. He just passed that ball with ma- like massive width to the 10. So then you've got the 10 coming flat, with with a quite a wide gap that that pass stretched and that was exactly premeditated for where Dougie Fife was hanging you know hanging in there they stretched that sort of seam and that connection because they knew they were going to whip it right back in there and they didn't really give him a chance because sometimes if the hooker pulls out and then he comes round and he bites in those defenders you know it, it's not the same sort of move that you end up pulling off there but I just like the way they gave that width to the ten and then had the winger back inside I thought it was very clever
1: from them.
2: And again, you need those hiding players. In those conditions, you need to hide players, and then they appear late, and it's too late to cover. After, as I said, that the Houston Hooker had overchased. And just a note on Dougie Fife, new signing into the league, most ball carry uh, meters in the M.L.R. at the moment through round five.
1: CBS game of the week was San Diego hosting Utah. San Diego went up thirty-one to twenty-nine. It was great to see. I was there uh, working with CBS on the sidelines, so I had front row seats. And it was great to catch up with some of the players, some of the coaches. We have uh, two American young coaches heading both the teams. We had Sean Pittman for Utah, we had Zach Tess for uh, San Diego. Um, You know, San Diego's back in California. And, you know, I definitely know that they wanted to prove themselves and wanted to show their supporters, show their management, throw their owners that, you know, we want to be here. They wanted to have uh, have a good performance, get a good result. Um, I thought it was a close game throughout the whole thing. Some guys, you know, it's really raised their hand. Uh, you know, what, what was your thoughts on that, Hodes?
2: Yeah, just fantastic to see uh, Legion back in California. It's the wrong part of California, but they are back in California. And soon they w- soon enough, they will be back at Torero, which will be even better to see, uh, to get back with the fans there. But uh, I know a huge relief to the players and the staff uh, who've been really, really working hard in tough uh, situation there in Vegas. Um, and of course, you saw the relief at, at the end there when they held on for a really important, uh, important win. And speaking of those coaches, I think that Scott Murray did a real number on the Utah pack because um, they had plenty of opportunity, 70% possession or over 70% possession for Utah in the first half. They had four lineouts that were looking like lineout drive scenarios right on the Legion line and Legion stuffed all of them. Uh, and you can't do that. You can't do, miss those opportunities and win games. They had 18 turnovers uh, they missed those opportunities. We'll talk about the last 20 minutes uh, from Utah, which was very poor when they had the momentum. But I think those uh, those Legion forwards uh, really uh, perform well. And one other thing on that, I think the back five in the Legion pack, so I'm talking about the two second rows and the back row, uh, they really stood up because Legion, again, they're, they're not quite clicking at the moment. So so what do you want to do? You want to go back to simple rugby, and Leisure got some great carriers, right? So all of a sudden, Cece Mahoney, uh, Ben Mitchell, Tavita Tamalau, Sam Wuching, and Kenny Nazagenge, they combined for like, let me see, 35, uh, no, no, sorry, 47 carries for 273 meters. Their opposite numbers had 35 for 192. So they had nearly 100 meters more carries just in those five players. Um, so I think that was a huge part of Legion saying like we're just going to get game line here, play pretty simple. We've got a, a ten Iglesias who's really a twelve. He was interchanging with Dylan. They were both carrying a lot at the line as well. Um, so it's a, a simple uh, game plan. We're going to get game line here. We're going to use our big carriers and we're going to build our confidence back.
0: No, I, I thought they used the carriers really well. The big, yeah, the biggest telling of this to me was the missed opportunities from Utah, and uh, I liked the way. Um, the transition attack of Legion as well early on, you know, defended a lot, been in their own half, not much going on. I think a knock on or something from Utah in in the uh, in the twenty two. South Africa they get the, their hands on the ball, Legion go the length and they score. And to me, that that's Le- that that's that's part of Legion's identity, like being yeah. able to defend like Saracens esque. Do you know what I mean? Those big defensive sets, holding teams out, and then when they get the ball. Just coming to absolute uh, alive, and I, and I like that in their game. The the carriers were massive for them. It, there's no substitute for gain line in rugby. Sometimes it can be simple, and you know you win the collisions, and it's a much different game than when you're when when you're not. And and so that was a factor. I thought a set piece they fronted up as well. Um, you know Nate Orsberger was was massive for them when he came on. And I really liked, you know, a good friend of mine, but Ryan Matthias playing for them. He just knows the Legion system. It, you can hear him in defense. You can see him marshalling well. I think there was one time where uh, Legion almost got caught on the edge. You know, Mat- Matthias had to, to come up and try and shut that lane. But the way he then shepherded, shepherded the defender, shuffled, di- didn't allow him to step back on side of them so that they could use the touchline as a defense there. I thought that was a big moment for Legion as well. I, 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 I you know that game could have gone either way on a different day if Utah had been able to just win a couple lineouts might have been a different day but i think legion again on the upward progression and it it was a an improved performance and it was really a must win game for them you know we talked about last week with the west and and you know other teams you know getting a lead on you still got austin riding high still got LA, la utah had come out with a good start and that's a massive win for for the legion to knock off utah and and it was exciting rugby as well and i enjoyed it and we got to see, you know, Todd's pretty face on the TV as well. It was, it was a win-win
1: all around. No, you know, I'm surprised that you didn't mention the scrum because, you know what, that was the turning point in my, uh, in my view. The second half from San Diego in the last quarter of the game, um, they really just showed that dominance. And, you know, there wasn't much dominance around in, in any of the other park. I mean, there's opportunities that both sides had, both sides missed. Uh, probably Utah missed more uh, and, and more handling errors and line-out mistakes. But once San Diego, you know, the bench came on, uh, and they really, really punished uh, Utah Scrum. And that's where it was. You know, right when Nate Osberg came on, you know, dominant Scrum, he went blindside. And it was, uh, you know, set up that try. And then later in the game, they had two other ones that, you know, put pressure and then dominant from there. So, uh, Corbs, I'm, I'm, I'm so surprised you are not drooling over that because, you know, I, I usually don't nerd out about the Scrums. But I thought uh, that was something that needed to be commented.
0: No, mate, great. I, I, I'm glad it's someone else other than me. You know, highlighting the importance of a scrum in in tight games. It can it can shift a game, and and I think you know they deserve credit. They were on the wrong end of a, scr- of a of a scrum battle against Houston, and I think they turned up this week with with emphasis to re- to really give it some. And especially when you look at you know guys like Paul Mullen coming on f- for Utah there, and you know sort of a renowned scrummager as such, and being you know being taught a lesson there. Um, you know that's a good sign for Legion, and and it was a key factor in the game.
1: I mean, I know you guys talked about it in previous weeks of what San Diego needs to do. Where are the big bodies? You know, getting go forward ball. And you spoke about those stats with CC going forward, Tamalau going forward, joining SOM, You know, getting that go forward fastball that that gave them those opportunities. So, you know, great uh, great intel from both of you guys. LA was on the road. They traveled out to Houston, which uh, you know them traveling again. And they, they came with another victory, 48 to 35. You know, I thought it was a really contested game. Houston really showed up. uh, You know, it was back and forth, back and forth, some good tries. Uh, Good to see Boyer, you know, wanting it, you know, he got his good victory against San Diego that he is is a former club. Then he was with LA for the whole uh, preseason. Uh, They let him go and he, uh, you know, wanted to step up and really want to get that, that, that win, but came up short. Uh, you know, stats-wise, everything else. Corbs, what, uh, what what was your take on that?
0: It was, you know, I think that, I think there was times I was worried if if LA were going to win that game. I think you know when you look at some of how easily they scored a couple tries early on, you you think how how is a team like this? You know, how are you worried they're going to lose this game? And I say because I felt like other than you know they scored some nice tries and they fronted up at, at, at the scrum time against Houston and didn't give them an like easy into the game with penalties there. Uh, you know they they did as much as they could to give Houston a chance. Everywhere else, I think um, you know they I thought they overplayed in their own half at times, uh, and and behind the line, you know behind the game line a bit too much, and and weren't as direct and getting over the front foot. So a lot of that play was out the back. Um, I think you know you know first game they've started without Gitto at ten, and uh, you know Carti coming in, um, looked to try and control the game and, and play, but I think you know obviously he's. It shows it, you know. He's just needs more time in the starting jersey, you know, to be able to just. It's it's hard to just come in and turn it on. Uh, I just thought the errors, the handling errors, the the turnovers, the the ability to just, and that all that came from playing in their own half, just kept giving Houston ball after ball. Every time LA scored, most times off the kickoff, they just gave the ball back. To houston and gave him a sniff back in the game and they never really had a run where they kept their foot down and opened up enough runway to be comfortable
2: until the very very end yeah it was a bizarre i've never seen anything quite like it at halftime la had 75 percent possession and had 535 meters gained 535 to houston's 134 now t- tell me how can houston be in the game I mean, it looked like L.A. could score whenever they wanted. Um, and it was off nine offloads from L.A. and none by uh, Houston. Uh, so rugby's a funny old game. Uh, L.A., and you talk about uh, Cartier and Gitto, it's quite interesting because L.A. played sensational rugby in attack in the first half. They did play sometimes in the wrong areas. But like we used to, in, in soccer, they used to talk about the old Dutch team in the 70s with Johan Cruyff, and they talk about total football or total soccer, let's call it here. Um, And that's like LA are playing total rugby, all the forwards, the front rows are offloading, there's always an option. The Den Hope try in the first half was just sensational. Um, You've got Burton uh, cross kicking again and finding the space. So it's kind of total rugby from LA. but they did switch off, and it was just fantastic to see the fight in Houston. Some of the fans were in the stadium, and like you're just feeling that energy. You want to be there. It was it was great to see. They were holding on and scrapping for everything, scrapping with their fingertips to stay in the game. Um, and it just shows actually when Ghetto came on and they needed to close the game out, where did the tries come from? It was the lineout drives and picking goes and the forwards took over and that's what we spoke about at the start of the pod about how the league's developing LA played total rugby in the first half but when it came to the crunch they went back to basics and they went and played tough rugby with the forwards
1: it was uh, it was good to see LA getting challenged you know it wasn't just a walk over you know there was uh some some of the LA coaches sweating you know aka uh their scrum coach but uh <laughs> But they came away with it. But, uh, you know, that's what you want. You know, you want to have a competitive game, competitive nature. And uh, definitely uh, the fans in Houston got their money's worth.
2: The league's trying to figure out how do you compete with L.A. here. And uh, I think we saw one way of doing it last week. Toronto, as we said, are the best team at going through phases and keeping their shape. L.A. defensively uh, don't commit too much to the breakdown. They keep their shape, but then they come up and they really hit hard. We're looking at ways, the league's trying to work out ways to challenge LA. I mean, Toronto last week are the team that can take the ball through the phases better than any other and challenge the LA defence fatigued. But the LA defence is extremely organised. They always have men on their feet. They're always nominating well. So there's not too much space. They don't really uh, attack the breakdown too much, although Adam Ashley Cooper is very dangerous in there. Um, This week, it's more uh, Houston struck early. And Again, if you think about it, the mo- most tries in the league are scored from phase one and two. So you actually have to be successful there against LA. Uh, and, and then if you're going into the later phases and you're not having success, you're going to think, have to think about your kicking game because LA actually like that uh, to defend him through those phases. So, Houston, how do they do it? Povey, phase one, Fend beats his opposite man. Uh, and then away he goes. Fantastic try. Um, they go from the intercept from Pangelinan. And what a bit of skill and awareness. He's pulled his hamstring and he still pushes it away. So, fantastic. Phase one. Uh, and just on that note, uh, you know, I hope Pangelina and Dylan Audley from Legion, who had bad news, with he, he's going to have to have surgery. So, we really wish them them well as well. Uh, and then Boyer again sne- sneaking around the fringes. So, they were... And Povey's second try as well was like phase four where it broke down. They were early uh, phase tries. And I think you have to attack LA at the set piece. And you have to look to make inroads early, and you have to get game line early. Otherwise, it's going to be tricky going through the phases.
1: Austin playing host to Atlanta, coming away with a last-second penalty kick, winning seventeen to fifteen. That's three in a row. That's a you know franchise record. It's great to see the Austin Boys, you know, come away because they've lost so many games in the past and previous years, uh, you know, with a bounce of a ball or last-minute kick. But uh, it seems like uh, luck has changed with them. New ownership, new uh, new branding, and uh, no, it's really great to see. Uh, Hose, what was uh, what was your take on that game? Yeah, well, it's
2: the sterilisers are at it again, aren't they? They seem to they tend to play in these low scoring games. Sometimes they seem a bit stifled. Not the greatest of rugby, but I love it. I, I honestly, I can't pay a better compliment to Sam Harris and the boys there because, as you said, Todd, if they seem to lose by a bounce of a ball but often, and now they seem to win by a bounce of a ball, but often, that's not luck. That's something that you're creating behind the scenes. And where they used to find ways to lose games, they now find ways to win games. And that is a hell of a quality. And um, look, we're talking about, there was average um, 60 points a game this week. <laughs> that's unheard of. <laughs> They're unbelievably high-scoring games. Now, as a coach... You can now look at your planning and say, Well, what should we do in this MLR league? Ultimately, at the moment, you've got to say we've got to, we've got to go for bonus points where it's, we've got to go for four tries every game, whether we're going to lose or win. Because if you lose by if you lose less by less than seven and you get a bonus point for four tries, you can still get two points. So I think that's what everyone's thinking. But come crunch time at the end of the season. When defences are up in your face and there's less space and everyone's bang up for it, it's not going to be as easy to do any of that. But Austin have already got that defence in place where other people may be trying to address that later in the season. So, I mean, I love what Sam Harris is doing there. I think he's got a great foundation.
0: I thought it was a good performance from Austin. I, I was shocked. Well, I think, was it when Atlanta started, uh, took the lead, was it 12-7 or 12-5 or whatever the the score was at that... that how were Austin losing the game? They'd had all the possession. They had all the control. You know, I saw the sterilization, uh, you know, in full effect of, of, of Atlanta. Kept the game mainly in their half. Lots of phases, you know, pull the strings well. And it was just, you know, a few key moments where they didn't get any points. I think there was that one time fight, a like 10-meter penalty out where uh, Voss. Uh, you know, tapped and went and and almost, you know, butchered the tap. But then they played the phases. I don't, they didn't get any point reward from that. There was the other time they were five meters out. They dummied the kick to the corner, did the little tap. I think Mac, Mac Mason and then they they passed it in field and they set up a maul off the ground. Didn't get a try there. And then there was also a time when they I think five meters out, they took a five meter scrum as a penalty option. Didn't get the reward there. They convert one of those, two of those, you know, they're in the lead and, and, and I don't see Atlanta getting back. I think Atlanta did a great job of hanging around in the game. I think their resilience of defending their goal line, their 22, both teams really put a good fight defending that like the last five, 10 meters of, of possession against teams. Cause both teams had entries into the 22. It wasn't like the game was completely stuck in the middle of the field. It, it was a, it was a tussle uh, back and forth, but, but I, I like the way Austin finally opened it up. The Mooneyham try, um, you know, fantastic bit of skill and fantastic to see, you know young american players thriving in this league you know straight out of the mlr number 1 draft pick going out there um I, you know again we want to see high, like it was nice seeing high score you know big game rugby but it was also seeing a nice tight arm wrestle of a game too we had a little bit of everything this week in the mlr and and, and i and i enjoyed the sterilizers and, and doing their work
1: well that's three in a row let's see if they can make it four way four in a row in round 6
2: yeah and um and a note on ATL there, I mean, uh, I think, Corbs, I remember you saying maybe the hype train was out the station uh, a couple of weeks ago after the Legion game for for the Rattlers. I mean, Legion were very poor on the day and they, they, they had had about a bout of food poisoning going into that game and they really didn't perform. Uh, and ATL have struggled since then. They only scored 17 against Rooney and they only scored 15, uh, obviously, in this game against Austin. Uh, it's uh, people aren't talking about it too much, but like Kirk Coleman is just a huge loss for them. Uh, and Ezkura has been playing really well, but he's essentially like third choice ten. He's he's a twelve really. So I, I just think that's been a massive loss to them. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, they, they're struggling since that Legion game. And I don't know where the points are going to come from. Having said that, I cannot help but mention the blonde bombshell Marco Keith. If you're looking for some inspiration, I mean, check this out. 154 run meters, five line breaks, five tackles attempted and five tackles made uh, and a try scored. I mean, what a performance by the, the, the former uh, Rooney man, shifting him from wing to 13. So if they are looking for a, a bit of inspiration, I think he's the man to go to.
0: What a late pickup as well. O- O'Keefe, a late pickup floating around, you know, discarded by Rooney, hadn't found a club. And, and, you know, you, you pick up, you know, someone like that who's just come on and, and made a media impact. And, you know, sometimes there's, you know, something to be said for, you know, we, all this international recruitment around the world. Someone who's actually been in the league, knows it, knows the teams, knows what's going on here. Sometimes that is invaluable to bring into your side. And, and I think, yeah, I completely agree with you. He's been a great asset.
2: Yeah. And it's interesting to see, you know, it, this is the way it w- works in sports, but someone maybe... M- Struggling in a certain environment or not getting an opportunity, then they go and they they find a home. They're really getting on with the group. They're getting on with the coach, and away they go. And they get the opportunity to show what they can do. And uh, you know, it's been fantastic to see. You know, from my point of view, some of the, the ex-Legion players that are off around the league, um, really having a great impact in other teams and, and supporting them in doing so. And looking ahead with Austin, uh, obviously three great wins in a row, a lot of conference there, uh, and a big addition uh, this week is Isaac Ross coming. Uh, coming in, for me, I think that's a great sign, not just because of what he can do uh, in terms of rugby talent, but having been in Japan, and Todd, I'd love to get your opinion on this, uh, it's such a great asset understanding how to bring the group together when you're working with some of the best players in the world and then some really inexperienced guys that haven't even been in a professional setup. That happens in Japan, and that's happening here with some of the guys coming out of college or who've played semi-pro before. Um, so what kind of impact do you think Isaac Ross can have, uh, Todd?
1: No, absolutely. I mean, I have a history with uh, Isaac Ross, played against him in super rugby and then uh, played against him in the top league and then ultimately played with him for three seasons uh, in Japan as well. So um, I know him him as a character and, and as a team player uh, to really, you know, you know, be that line out man, be that, you know, really all around guy. So I think he's going to fit in great. Uh, and exactly what you're saying, you know, you're playing against some of the world's best players that are wanting to come to America, wanting to play MLR. And then we're having a, introducing a college draft system. Some guys that are, you know, very, very part-time professional players, but, uh, but, but folding into it. So, um, I think with his experience and, and, and sort of, you know, that he's, that he's played top all blacks, super rugby, and then, uh, and then playing with part-time rugby players to be, world's best players. Uh, I think he, he'll be, uh key key for austin
2: and obviously sad to see him uh he was limping off he got his try um but i think we're all hoping to see him and the chavez who got injured last week if they can pair up in the engine room there for austin they've got that solid defense they've only conceded 74 points in five games that's by far the best defense in the league and with those two big leaders in the engine room uh yeah this austin team is, is is got um some legs i think in this league uh, and with, the, as I said, the foundation they got, that's uh, they're a playoff contender.
1: Last game of the weekend of round five, we had Rooney take on D.C. Rooney went up 38 to D.C., 34. Tight contested game. What are your thoughts on that, Hodes?
2: Yeah, you know me. I like to see these draft graduates coming out. And we're looking at a back three there for D.C. of Cassano, Noble and Daboulos. I mean, that's unbelievable. These young fellas now getting so much experience. We had tries on either wing for um, Noble and Cassano. Dabula's setting one of them up with a nice offload. Um, So that's fantastic to see. And again, the key thing there is having Robertson back for uh, DC at 10, pulling the strings uh, and really creating some space for those young fellas. Uh, And another point, we we spoke about the Toronto back row, but I I really like that DC back row uh, with Mungo Mason, um, Farnano Schultz, uh, and Callum Big Gibbons. I think that's one of the best in the league. Um, so I, I enjoy watching them play. Um, and Corbs, your thoughts on the, on the Rooney performance? Because they, they, they just stayed just ahead of the game and DC couldn't quite get their necks in front.
0: Yeah, I thought Rooney, you know, did enough to win. It was back and forth. It was exciting action. No one really took like a stranglehold on the game. So it just kind of led for like, you know, back and forth. And I thought Rooney... Um, yeah, Andy Ellis is is worth his weight as gold in, in 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 this league for them. Just savvy that link between forwards and backs, controlling the play, feeding back to the referee, like the whole the whole package of of you know you know bringing in a World Cup winning you know All Black into your team and and does what it says on the tin sort of thing. You know that's what he's really turned up and done for them. I thought Hollingshead was a little quieter at ten than maybe we'd seen the week before, but he had some fantastic moments, a few clever little kicks as well. Um I, I I like Rooney. I thought, you know, when you've got s C- you know, all the you know, the set piece mechanisms, the number uh, the 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 back row were, were impressive. I'm I'm actually a big fan of that. Uh, is it Benny Bonasso? Uh Young Young Yeah, they are, young. they're they, they rate him there. He's
2: very explosive, isn't it? Yeah, they?
0: young player for Rooney coming through. Uh, I I I was a big fan of him. You know, tough to see him get the yellow card at the end, but other than that, I thought he had a standout game. And, and I thought Rooney at the end just turned the screw at the set piece. I think the substitutions in the front row, bringing on the, I think is it the Brazilian, then they brought on Parry, and they have the Fijian tight head. That the, that that dominance right there at the end probably just turned the screw enough for me. Um, similar to what we talked about or Todd talked about for for San Diego game, I thought that um I thought that that just turned the screw a little bit at the end. But it, but but it was a back and forth game. I think DC would just have this way of not going away. Um, and they can score tries just like that. They have, you know, an exciting backline. You know, nuts and bolts of their game are good. Like their back row, probably the front five is probably the one area where teams can maybe go after them at times. But but on a whole, it it was it was an exciting game to watch.
2: Yeah, it could have gone either way, and ultimately the uh, the Hollingshead interception kind of uh, sealed the win there. So um, a- another great battle, and um, although um, DC sink down to the bottom of the East. They're very competitive and within a couple of weeks could get back up there. I mean, that, that East is just stacked. It's great to see. And, um, and Rooney uh, right up the top of the East now and, and third in the league overall. Well, that game rounds up uh, round five.
1: Four out of six of the games were just a score, score away. So, I mean, it's great to see that competitive nature across the board, East Coast, West. Um, and, you know, looking forward to seeing more of those uh, close to tight, tight games. What a week. All
0: right, it's time for our sponsored segment of the week. Rob Hoadley's MLR Round Five Winners and Losers, brought to you by ASM Scholarships. ASM Scholarships are connecting student athletes with sports scholarships at American universities. To find out with your free consultation if you qualify for a sports scholarship, go to www.asmscholarships.com. So, Rob, hit us with your biggest winners and
2: losers. Well, speaking of scholarships, Corb, so I think we've got to look at the draft graduates. Uh, and a standout for me is the back three that are coming out uh, and contributing straight away in MLR. I think, you know, for young players coming through, probably back three and back row are the, uh, the areas where you'll see young players th- coming through first. We're looking at the likes of Noble and Cassano at Old Glory, uh, Troy Lockyer at Rooney, Mooneyman and um, Waters at Austin, Mitch Wilson and Harry Barlow at New England. Uh, And even uh, Dabulas played 15 this week as well. So fantastic to see those guys building the player pool. And uh, hopefully we're going to see Gary Gold taking a closer look at them in years to come uh, and uh, seeing a few of them in an Eagle shirt.
1: Don't you you forget cock number two for Austin is also. Yeah, (laughs) cock. The cock.
2: And Rob, your losers for round five. Okay, Corbs, well, we have got to look at the lack of a video ref. There were a couple of occasions at the weekend, Seattle scored a try, and referee JP Doyle was looking at the a different part of the play. Ordinarily, that would go to video, and it's five points for Seattle. JP DuPersi scored for Nola. They win by one point. Was he in, was he out? I don't know. It was a bit of guessing work. So, would love to see a video ref in to help the refs out in those situations
1: i'm just glad my uh, my backdrop my new backdrop in the office isn't in a, isn't the loser
2: <laughs> no that's really i like it i think we i think we need to step our game yeah, up i'm looking for some wall- exactly i'm looking for some wall space and some ability to uh, put something <laughs> And that
0: was Rob Hoadley's Round 5 MLR Winners and Losers brought to you by ASM Scholarships. Big shout out and thank you again for them for sponsoring that segment. But guys, it's time to wrap the show. You know, it's sad to say goodbye to you sometimes. I think we could all noise rugby uh, for for hours or especially you and me could, Rob. Uh, But no, another one in the books and it was a
1: good one. My notes are, uh, you know, completely all over the shop, just like my thoughts in my head. So um thanks for keeping it sane and, and and nerding out full on
2: yeah and todd's notes will be up for an auction if anyone wants to bid on his notes we'll frame them and send them out to uh, our most eager listeners uh, you know
0: i don't know what i was gonna say mate i got shit chat
2: um
0: no i was gonna say <laughs> something everyone thank you so say, much man. for listening thank you so much for joining we're gonna get out of dodge here but just a reminder keep sharing the pod it's at the American Rugby Show on Instagram, at the Am Rugby Show on Twitter. Like our posts, share them, retweet them, tell your friends, tell your teammates, tell your rugby coaches. We really appreciate all the support, all the love. We'll see you next week with another great guest. Take care.